live from Liverpool, the Dark Paranormal, Season 8. Hi everyone and welcome back to the penultimate episode of the Dark Paranormal, Season 8. I truly can't believe just how quickly this season has flown. But of course, they do say if time flies, then you're clearly having fun. And season 8 has been my favourite season this far. I do have to add the caveat, this far, as after shouting out last week for more of your true life paranormal experiences for season 9, and even though I'm yet to start production on that season, the stories we've already received pretty much guarantee for me anyway, season 9 will be our most terrifying yet. Now of course, in just two weeks time, we will of course have our Halloween specials, and we will again play the trailer at the end of this show. Now we will also be releasing sneak peek trailers on our social media accounts, so you can go to The Dark Paranormal on Instagram, or you can find us on Facebook, The Dark Paranormal. Within there, there is a secret group, The Dark Paranormal Society, and all you need to do is simply find that page and click the join button, and you can join the private group. Now, although of course I'm excited about the Halloween specials, we do have the small matter of rounding up Season 8 of The Dark Paranormal, and our penultimate true listener paranormal experience is going to take us deep into a lifetime spent with the paranormal. It's an experience which tells us about the battle between wanting to acknowledge what you see, whilst at the same time trying to maintain a level of rationality and sanity, despite every fibre of your being telling you you're experiencing something truly paranormal. But before we get settled with today's penultimate episode, I of course need to thank our wonderful team over at Patreon. When you sign up to Patreon, not only will you receive these episodes ad-free and before everyone else, but you can also receive access to our Patreon-only podcast, Dark Bites. Dark Bites episodes are released every week, even on the downtime in between seasons. Meaning when we take our break after next week's finale, you won't have to miss your paranormal fix. And there is well over 20 hours worth of content over on Patreon for you to binge. We've built a wonderful community of like-minded paranormal enthusiasts over on Patreon. And we'd like to extend an exclusive invitation just for you. Simply head over to patreon.com forward slash thedarkparanormal just like these wonderful new team members have. Rosie Wright, Erin Turner, Rowena Green, Brittany Holborg, Rachel Sorshuk, Sally Dalton, Sabina Hribe-Turner, Chandler Nicholson, Kisa Hargett, Daniel Roderwold, Laurie Jean Morrison, Joe Stanfield, Sam Robbins, Katrina Yates, Mistress of Highgate, Alicia Martinez, and Gaia, Jennifer Nafziger, Sharon Grant, Abigail Odom, Tiso, Claire Thompson, Colleen Jenkins, Mary, Crypt Critters, Ryan Parker, Cool Breeze, Erica Miller, Honey, Linda Paloma, McKinley Hindi, Jalissa Hankins, Melanie Haddad, Brittany Stain, Judy Williams, Omar Haridia, Cheyenne, and Joanne Jopan. 
Thank you so much for supporting the show, guys. It truly means the world. I hope you enjoy all the early ad-free releases and, of course, the Dark Bites episodes. So don't forget, if you'd like to become one of our team members, head over to patreon.com forward slash thedarkparanormal. But right now, for the penultimate time this season, please lower the lights, make yourself comfortable, and, most importantly, Leave your disbelief at the door as we hear all about the menacing follower. I've been trying to get this all down for a while now. I suppose your podcast has finally given me the inspiration to do just that. Looking back and examining my life for the first time through these experiences... I realised that I've always been plagued by the paranormal. In fact, there were so many that I had to take most of them out and skim through the rest just so it wouldn't take hours to read. However, I do find it necessary to share just a little about my childhood so that you understand how things later on got so bad. My earliest memories range between strange to terrifying. I always knew things that I shouldn't have known. I remember my mum crying at the kitchen table because I'd frightened her so badly, just with some of the things that I would say. I don't remember exactly verbatim what was said, but they were predictions and they were enough to scare everyone around me, and make them wary of me whilst I was a small child. I'm told some of the predictions would occur whilst I was sleepwalking. My mum said she would follow me around the house whilst I was in one of those states, and I would be having an elaborate conversation with someone who wasn't there. She also told me that I would lightly bang my head over and over against the same spot on a wall while sleepwalking. She never woke me during those spells, believing that you should never wake a sleepwalker. I remember when I was four, my dad got me a puppy for Christmas. I wanted nothing more than to have this new puppy sleep in my bed with me. My mum and I tried for days to get this to happen, but the puppy absolutely would not enter my bedroom of our own accord. Even when we carried her into the room, she would flee for the door as fast as possible. The most vivid memory that I have from that time and the house happened a week or two after getting the puppy. I remember it was early spring, and the nights were cool but no longer freezing cold. Yes, the puppy was a Christmas gift, but I didn't actually receive her until a few months after Christmas, and I was in hospital over Christmas with a severe case of pneumonia. I don't remember why I woke up, but suddenly I was awake. It felt like something was trying to get me, and when I looked to the side of my bed... I saw what looked like red hands and arms reaching out from the floor to grab me. 
Understandably, I screamed, and my mum and my new puppy ran into the room. This was the first and last time I can recall the puppy ever going near my bedroom. She growled and barked like crazy, with her eyes fixed on the ground beneath my bed. I know what you're thinking, a typical story of a kid being afraid of what's under their bed and having a nightmare. But the only thing that convinced me that this was something more was my mother's reaction upon entering my room. She screamed and ran to my bed terrified. She leaned over the area where the hands were and grabbed me from the bed as if trying to avoid touching whatever was reaching for me. She ran down the hall carrying me with the dog hot on our heels and locked us into her bedroom until morning. Her reaction is still very vivid in my brain. Despite the fact I was only about four or five years old, she refused to talk about it with me afterward and to this day she will refuse to discuss that night. Not that it didn't happen or she doesn't remember, just that we shouldn't talk about it. Definitely not the reaction of a mother who just witnessed her child reacting to a nightmare. Soon after that night, I was sent to talk to my aunt, my grandfather's sister, who is extremely religious even to this day. After having me explain the whole experience in detail, she told me it was the devil that was trying to grab me. She said I was inviting him in and that I had to shut him out. I was told to never discuss this again or anything that I saw that was out of the ordinary. I was terrified by this conversation and therefore I kept the other apparitions that I saw to myself. It's worth mentioning that whilst my family is severely Christian now, my mum did let slip a few times when talking about her younger years that they originally practised what they now refer to as witchcraft in the form of tarot card reading and the use of Ouija boards and scrying. I was told they stopped the practices around the time that I was born, denouncing the practices as evil and turning to Christianity. When pressed, my mum absolutely refuses to tell me what happened for the whole family to have made such an abrupt change. She says it would invite evil in to even discuss it. As I got older, any supernatural experiences were looked at as something that just happens and should be ignored or made fun of by my mum and my stepdad. We moved into a new house when I was 10 that was built by my stepdad's grandfather. And that's where my experiences with the other side would begin to escalate. The activity was so frequent that I can't put specific incidents into a perfect linear order. But I will do my best. It started with our now fully grown dog growling, barking and tracking things unseen with their eyes around the house. 
There were shadows that you would see from the corner of your eye that seemed to run up to you in the short hallway next to the bedroom. But of course, when you looked at them dead on, there was nothing there. My stereo would turn itself on in the middle of the night and the volume knob would spin round by itself. My lights would constantly turn on and off by themselves and I would always hear what sounded like a small child calling my name and giggling from my brother's room when he wasn't home. I spent years being raised to completely ignore all weird incidents or to laugh and shrug them off. I became very good at this. So good that I would simply just deal with the whole thing as a slight inconvenience. I would get up several times a night to turn my CD player off when it turned itself on. Same with the lights in my bedroom. I shrugged like the rest of my family and I stopped being scared. I just accepted this as a part of life. It was just one of those things. However, some incidents were too much to just shrug off. One time, when I was home alone, I heard a crash come from my bedroom. I ran in to see what had fallen, and my shelf with my candle collection on it was on the floor. Okay, that's not that strange. The shelf could have just fell. Only the candles were all sitting upright in a circle on my bedroom floor. To be clear, these were candles that were in glass jars and probably could have righted themselves after falling if they didn't break. The part I had a hard time accepting was that they landed in a circular pattern. I never had a friend spend the night more than once. The other girls would always complain of seeing dark shadows of people in the hallway or in my bedroom. My stereo turning on in the middle of the night obviously always scared them. One or two even said they heard the child's voice calling their name and giggling from my brother's room again when they knew he was out of the house for the night. I personally didn't witness when my sleepover companions would have their experiences, except for one. I'll call her Alana for the purposes of this letter to protect her identity. My mum and stepdad often spent time drinking in the basement, and this night was no exception. Alana and I were sitting in the living room just talking, when all of a sudden... Someone began tapping on the window right behind my head. Thinking maybe my brother had snuck out onto the balcony porch before we entered and was waiting to do a prank, I pulled the curtain back quickly to catch him. But nothing. Immediately, without a moment's hesitation, the tapping continued on the window behind Alana's head. There were several problems with this, though. First, while the window behind my head could be accessed from our enclosed balcony, there was no way 
to reach the window behind Alana's head to tap on it. Secondly, the window was two stories off the ground, with absolutely no trees nearby or anything that could make that tapping noise. Finally, there was a fair distance between the two windows, and the tapping continued without a moment's pause from one window to the next. I suggested pulling the curtain behind Alana to see what could be there, but she turned white and refused. She also never spent the night a second time. When I graduated high school at 17, I moved in with my boyfriend and his father, as I did not have a happy childhood with my mum and my stepdad. I could have tried to live with my dad, I suppose, but he was a long-distance road truck driver and did not have his own place. He stayed with my uncle, his brother, when he was in town. I mean, he probably would have quit driving and found a place to take me in, but I also wanted some freedom. My boyfriend and I had been best friends our whole life, and it seemed inevitable that we would end up together. After only two years of dating, we would get married. I'll call my boyfriend, later to be my husband, Parker. Parker changed from a non-believer into something else, quickly in my presence. He wouldn't say he was a believer outright in the paranormal. Instead, he said for years that he was only a believer in me. The first incident that stunned him into this mindset happened when we were out living in the middle of nowhere in a trailer court next to a cornfield. I kept having dreams about a dog, a dog that was covered in what looked like burn marks. But he was so loving and just wanted attention from me. I explained that dog to Parker. I'll never forget the look on his face and how he turned white. He said that there used to be a trailer, just a few down from the one we lived in, where his friend lived, and that friend had a dog, just like the one I described, who died in a fire that claimed his trailer home as well. He said I described the dog perfectly. There were countless other small things that convinced him more and more. When we got married, we moved into a very small apartment, inside a building with five apartments in total. It was incredibly small, but we made do with just the two of us and our now medium-sized dog. The apartment felt very dark, but we rationalised that due to it not having many windows. We didn't have many occurrences, but we both avoided the kitchen like the plague. We realise now that our behaviour in that apartment was not rational. We would come up with any excuse possible to not go into that kitchen. We would even go as far as to leave the apartment and walk a block to the 24-hour gas station to buy drinks, rather than get some from our own fridge in the apartment at night. That's the level of fear that we're talking here. This apartment, 
actually the whole building, was laid out very strangely. There were originally two separate houses connected by a middle apartment, making it one giant building with five apartments in total. The middle apartment was only one floor on the ground level, while the other two sections had an apartment on ground level and one on the second level above them. Nothing paranormal took place in that kitchen really, except for that bad feeling. But a large life change and belief change happened to me in that apartment. That affected how I looked at my experiences for a very long time. I remember Parker and I were watching a movie, and then it was like all of a sudden, someone walked up to me and popped all my beliefs like a balloon. I realised in a matter of a second that it didn't make any sense for there to be an afterlife or a god. Just that I was simply going to die and not exist someday. This existential dread permeated my entire life for years to come, and I still feel it to this day. Just not to the extent that I did back then. After being close to catatonic over this revelation for months, I felt the need to do something. I started college and I found myself in a philosophy class with an atheist professor who used to be a priest. I told him about the balloon analogy and he found that very odd. He said he'd heard the same thing happen to dozens of people, but it was the opposite. He said those people suddenly believed in God and believed in an afterlife, not stopped believing. Nonetheless, he provided me with logical thinking about everything I'd experienced in my life so far. I began to major in philosophy, and he was my mentor. I now had an explanation for all of the paranormal stuff that had happened to me. Those hands, reaching for me from under the bed? Well, that must have been a dream, and me not remembering it correctly. I was a kid after all. My stereo and lights turning themselves on and off all the time when I was a teenager? Faulty wiring, surely. The nightmares? Well, they don't mean a thing. We all have nightmares. My friends' experiences? Well, they had overactive imaginations as well. The dread I felt twice in my life? Yep, that was my imagination too. And the dark playing tricks on my senses. Even the things I still couldn't explain away came down to I must not be remembering them correctly. I think deep down... I never fully believed all these things could be rationalised, but at the time, I accepted them because that was what was logical to do, and I didn't want to be the type of person to not use logic or critical thinking. Naturally, because I was now explaining everything away, my husband was becoming more sceptical as well. Time moved on, and eventually... Right when we were discussing leaving our small apartment in the back for something with actual room to live in, 
the apartment in the middle of our building became available again, and it was huge. We talked to the landlord right away, and since we'd been great tenants, he let us move in immediately without even paying a deposit. He seemed glad to have to not go through the trouble of finding someone to move in. He muttered something about not being able to keep people in that apartment. It's true that no one stood past their one-year lease in that middle apartment, and some people didn't make it past a few months, but we never knew or could question why. I don't know why we never considered moving into that one before, but it was perfect timing that the middle apartment lost yet another renter that moment we discussed finding a larger place. The first thing I remember about moving into that apartment was the smell in the bathroom. There was this god-awful smell, like sulfur and rotting meat, that thankfully you could only smell in the bathroom. It seemed like the smell got worse when you ran the water, so we rationalised that it was the city water, pipes or a combination Our small city has old coal mines everywhere, and sometimes in the spring and summer, the river that runs through the city smells similar, from the runoff from the closed mines. I'd never noticed the city drinking water smell like this before, since presumably it's cleaned and treated water. But that was a plausible explanation. We made sure to never drink water from the bathroom, and to buy water in bottles for cooking purposes. The next thing we noticed was that things kept moving on us. We would place an item somewhere and be sure where we set it, only for it to be in a totally different place when we went to retrieve it. We kept thinking that we were moving things on each other, despite the other person claiming they hadn't touched it. We also thought perhaps we had bad memories and we were just forgetting that we had moved the items. Parker went to work one day and I saw him place his coke into the fridge for later. But when I went to get up for my own drink, there was his drink sitting out. So I took his drink with me to place it in the fridge. A while later I went to use the restroom and there was his Coke bottle sitting on the washer in the bathroom. What the hell? I was so sure I put it in the fridge. I guess maybe I stopped in the bathroom on the way to the kitchen, placed it down there, and forgot to finish my trek to the fridge. Yes, that must be it. It was still cold too. So I put it back in the fridge. Next thing I know I go into the bedroom... And there is the Coke bottle. And it's still cold. I don't drink Coke. It upsets my stomach. He was on his last bottle too. Or so I thought earlier. But he must have a second bottle that he left out. I marched back to the kitchen to put this bottle in the fridge too. Only there is no bottle already in the fridge. Just the bottle in my hand. I tore the label of the Coke bottle, 
which, looking back, I don't know why I did that, since I was such a stone-cold non-believer. And I placed it on the top shelf in the fridge. A little while later, I went into our spare room for the first time that day to grab some art supplies. And there, sitting on the table, is an ice-cold Coke with a torn label. I was flabbergasted. The only way I could rationalise this was to think I must have been carrying it round the house with me the whole time. But I was sure I hadn't. I had very clear memories of each time I put this Coke bottle back. Parker called on his lunch and I told him. We both agreed it was weird, but then we shrugged it off. There had to be an explanation. We just weren't thinking about it right. There just had to be a rational explanation. Because, as we both figured out, the paranormal did not exist. Not long after that, our friends at the time found a litter of kittens under their porch. They found homes for each of these cuties save one. A small, all-white fluffball who was deaf. Next thing I know, my husband is bringing this kitten home with him because he could not bear to see him go to the shelter. We named the kitten Soul, and as to be expected, he seemed terrified of his new surroundings. We began to worry because we feared he would never come out from under the couch to eat or drink, but after a day or two, he started coming out. He never did seem comfortable in his new area, though. Soul grew into an adult cat, but he always had moments where he would freak out and act like he was being chased through the apartment. Being deaf, he made the most horrific growling noises and we used to joke that it sounded like he was possessed. One night I was sitting on the couch reading a book while my husband was in the bedroom sleeping. I happened to look up from my book and over towards where Sol was sleeping on the back of the couch. I don't know why I just stopped and looked up at him, but it was like I didn't make the decision myself. I narrowed my eyes as I watched his fluffy fur be pushed down by what looked like an invisible hand. His fur pushed down in such a way that I could see a handprint. Soul immediately jumped up, hissed at something above him and started running around the living room like he was being chased again and making his crazy sounds. I wasn't sure what I'd just witnessed. I must be more tired than I previously realised, I thought to myself. I had to have just watched the ceiling fan move his fur, surely. Although I had no explanation as to why he had laid there sleeping for hours with the same ceiling fan on and his fur had not moved once. It started to then seem like things were constantly falling in the house. Every time we turned around, something we'd placed in a spot that we thought was stable would fall off and hit the floor. It got tiresome picking things up and sometimes cleaning up a mess dependent on what had fell but we accepted this as a part of life. That is, until we were both sitting on the couch one day and we both watched a cup slide across our kitchen island and then fall onto the floor. 
both of our jaws hit the floor. Parker and I had both seen a cup not just fall off the edge of our island table, but be pushed from the middle of that island to the edge and then fall off. There was no gust of wind and our dog and cat were both sleeping somewhere, nowhere near the cup in question. Parker cleaned up the pieces and we tried to explain it all away. But after not being able to find a logical explanation, we shrugged and changed topic in the most uncomfortable way. We were far too stubborn to believe that there was no explanation except for the paranormal. No, there had to be an explanation. We just couldn't think of it at the time, so we ignored it. Something to note about this apartment, it was unusually quiet all the time. We lived near a lively bar and a road that was constantly in use to get to the 24-hour gas station. Not to mention we had neighbours that we shared walls with in the building. However, it was always so quiet you could hear a pin drop. It was the type of unnerving quiet that you just wanted to fill with sound, and that's exactly what we started to do. We couldn't be in that apartment without having the TV running loudly or music playing. We both stated to each other that it was so quiet that without us purposely putting sound into the space, it felt like we could go insane. We began to even sleep with the TV on, and we would leave the TV on for our dog when we weren't home, because she seemed more relaxed when there was some sound playing too. Without sound, before you put something on to fill the space, it felt like the apartment was holding its breath, waiting for something to happen. In hindsight, that's because that's exactly what it was doing. Such an amazing series of experiences there from our listener Mandy. And don't worry, we haven't finished with Mandy yet. Next week we conclude Mandy's story for the season finale and things are about to ramp up to the nth degree. I'd like to once again thank each and every one of you for choosing to spend your time with me here on The Dark Paranormal. We're going to play out once again with the trailer for our upcoming Halloween special, so I'll quickly say to our Patreons I will speak to you Sunday for another episode of Dark Bites, and for everyone, I'll see you here next week for the conclusion of Mandy's experience and the finale of Season 8. Until then, remember, when you're discussing the paranormal, always try and leave some of your disbelief at the door. And I'll speak to you next time, here on The Dark Paranormal. A rational sceptic is only a rational sceptic until something happens to them. Well, up until that point in my life, I thought I'd known what fear was, but that night I wholly understood what it meant to be frozen in fear. And of all the professions, there is perhaps no one more rational or methodical than a police officer.
a diary was kept, along with a series of documented photographs. Well, this part's hard to say, but a young woman sidled through the throng of people and jumped out into the front of an oncoming train. Over the two nights of Saturday the 29th and Sunday the 30th of October, the dark paranormal will take you on a journey through one of the most terrifying, malevolent, true paranormal experiences it's ever covered. It wasn't a case of fearing for your life. It was the knowledge that it wanted you dead. The Dark Paranormal, The Darkest Chapter, coming over Halloween weekend, the 29th and the 30th of October. You won't want to miss it. <laughs>